Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Notice in uh, John 15, Jesus says that, uh, well, in verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I am him bears much fruit, for without me, you could do nothing. So notice, we're a big nothing apart from him. But if we're abiding in him, we bear some fruit sometimes. Sometimes we put forth some fruit, sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's just, you know, it's just not our season. Sometimes, you know, we just don't have much to give. We don't have much we can do about stuff. Is that what the Bible says? No, he says if you abide in him, you bear some, a little, much, much. How many know our God is a much kind of God? He's a too much kind of God. Right? He sees too much. Jesus said in John 10, he said, he said, I come to give you life. Just a little. A little here, a little there. Now I've come to give you life and that much. More abundantly, overflowing. Much, much. Lots, lots, lots. Lots of it. If it's good... God wants you to have lots of it. Lots of it. He wants you overflowing. He wants you to have more than enough. Be a blessing. Be a blessing to more than just yourself. He wants you to be a blessing to more than just yourself. Or to, or to your wife or husband. Or your two children. You four, no more. No, God wants you to get out beyond that. He wants you to have much fruit so you can affect many lives. Many lives. He says in verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Are there branches like this in the world? Huh? Are there branches like this in the world that are withering? People, their lives are just wasting away. Just withering fruitless, purposeless, wandering through life, guessing at life, wondering what's going to be, what's going to happen next. No real purpose, no real direction. Are there people like that? Are there branches like that? Yes. Is that God's will? No. Why are there people living like that? Because they're not abiding in him. It doesn't matter how nice they are. It doesn't matter how, how much they smile and how pleasant they are and how religious they are. It, it don't really make a hill of beans of a difference. None of that matters. If they're withering, if they're wandering, if they're not being fruitful, they're not abiding. They're not abiding. That is the problem. Let's not blame it on God. 
and say, well, you know, God with some people, he just blesses them, you know. Some people are just special. And God does special things, you know, with special people. And then there's people that, you know, they're just not so special. And God's got other purposes for them. And so, you know, he's created them to kind of wither through life. Just kind of wander through life, you know. And, uh, you know, but God, you know, he works in mysterious ways. And so, you know, we know this brother, this sister, this person. You know, they're a wonderful person. Nothing could be anything wrong with them. We know that God is behind this. God is the one doing this. Now, see, people got a, a perverted idea of God because they're not abiding in his word. They're not abiding in what he said. They need to stick with the Bible. What does God say? What does God say? See, we don't have to be confused in life. I mean, if you feel like you're withering, you're wandering, the first thing you got to do is come back and say, how's my abiding? How's my prayer life? How's my communication with God? How's my connection with him? Because so much of people's issues in life can be traced back to their prayer life or their lack thereof. It really is true. It's one of the first questions I ask folks. People are going through stuff. They come to me and I'm going through this, I'm going through that. And I say, how's your prayer life? Huh? How's your prayer life? What's that, what's that looking like? Uh, well, I've been real busy. I, I just, I just, it just, it's not where it should be. All right. Well, this counseling session is now over. You got your answer. You understand? I mean, there's your problem. I don't know why this is happening. How's your prayer life? Well, I mean, so many times you could trace it back to prayerlessness. Or just people not really pressing into God. And you got to understand too when it comes to prayer. Before I even knew the Lord, I was, not, I was not saved. But I still prayed. I mean, before I went to bed tonight, it's very interesting. When I was a young, young, young boy, you know, lying on my bed at night, I, I, my conscience would bother me and I could not go to sleep without acknowledging God. And I was not a God-fearing person. I didn't know the Bible. I didn't, didn't know Jesus as Lord or anything like that. But before I go to bed at night, I'd always say, now, God, I thank you for watching over me and, and, and my mom, my dad, and da 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 and that my grandfather be in heaven. And uh, <laughs> he prays some ignorant prayers. I didn't know what I was doing. But, you know, I'm, but I'd pray and then I'd fall off to sleep. And I would do that quite often. My conscience would bother me before. before but that's, how do we know? That's not a prayer life. That's not a life of prayer. That's not a life of walking with God and being in communication with him. That's just kind of throwing something out there. Or, of course, you get into a trial or a test. You're going through a tough time. And then, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. And then we're in there, we're praying, you know. And we're talking to God about our problems. But there's a whole lot more to our communication with God than just throwing something out there to ease a guilty conscience or to help get you through a tough time. It, it, you know, our, our relationship with God, our communication with him, our prayer life is not to be like a spare tire. That you just, you know, you're in a troubled situation and you go in and you, you take out the jack and you take out the spare and you pop it on there and you change out the tire and you get to where you got to go and then 
take that thing off, put it back in, put your old ways back on and just keep going the way you've always gone before. See, that's not how we're supposed to live our life. We're to have a strong fellowship with God and what an honor, what a privilege, what power we have as children of God to be able to draw near to him, be heard by God, that God in his humility actually listens to us. He actually hears us and will do what it is we ask. He will actually move on our behalf through our prayers. It is so powerful. What an awesome privilege we have. Such an awesome privilege. And what powerful means we have by which we can change things in this world. We can change our life. We can change our circumstances. We can change anything. Because he said all things are possible to him that believes. This is what we have available to us. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 declares, We come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. We can come boldly into the presence of our Father who happens to be Almighty God. And we can receive of Him mercy. You need mercy? Come and get it. You need grace to help? He's got it for you. He's got all the grace, all the strength, all the power, all the ability that you need to get you through whatever it is you got to get through and go on and do anything that he's called you to do. He's got the grace available to you. But he says in James, he says, you have not because you... And what a sad thing that could be. That would actually be that... You'd have to even put that in a Bible written to believers, Christians, children of God who have access into the very throne of Almighty God that you have to say, you have not because you, that should be absurd. You have not because you ask not? You, you ask not? Huh? That don't even make sense. Wait a second. You're a child of God, born again, been made right in the sight of God, have been are able to approach Him boldly, he, he hears you. He's listening to you. He's ready to give you wisdom. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all freely, without fault finding. He gives, he gives to you freely. Just come on in there. God's going to teach you. God's going to lead you. God's going to guide you. God's going to talk you. God's going to help you. And he's actually, there's actually folks with, with that kind of privilege bestowed upon them that they ask not. They don't go in there. They don't ask. That don't even make sense. There's got to be some deception here. There's got to be something going on. There's got to be some rulers of the darkness. There's got to be some evil spirits or something that are blinding the eyes of people that would cause them to not approach God boldly daily and seek his face diligently for them not to do it. That can only be the work of evil spirits because that makes no sense. That makes no sense at all. So we need to shake ourselves and recognize this awesome privilege that you and I have whereby we can approach God. We can communicate with him and receive from him whatever things we desire. And in doing this, in bearing much fruit, Jesus said, his father is glorified. Verse 8, by this, 
My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. What happens if you don't bear much fruit? What happens if you bear very, very little fruit? Then the Father's glorified maybe just a little. How many people want to glorify God big league? <laughs> big time. Huh? Yes. We want to glorify our Father, man. So he wants you fruitful. He wants you full. He wants you overflowing. He wants you bearing much fruit. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to step in. He wants to rescue you out of any kind of situation you might be facing in life. Uh, Let's go to um, Ephesians. No, no, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Say, I have access into the very throne of God. Hallelujah. Ain't nothing going to keep me out. Ain't nothing going to keep me out. And, and, you know, it's sad too, you know, that then folks that, that do have a prayer life, a, a lot of it is so, it's so, uh, it's driven by condemnation. It's driven by a works mentality. Like, you know, I have to pray. I have to spend time with God, you know. I have to, I have to do that. I know I should be doing more. I know I'm not doing it, Pastor. I know it. I'm one of the guilty ones. I'm not doing it. I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to just make myself do it. And so people have to push themselves and be driven to pray because of a works mentality. Again, because of, many times because of condemnation. Rather than just love. Excitement. Love and excitement for God to be able to approach him, draw near to him, get close to him, hear from him, right? Bring your petitions to him. Be heard by him. It's exciting. Say what we say. Prayer is exciting. Seeking God is exhilarating. Hallelujah. Well, it's not that way for me. Well, you just keep talking that way in the flesh. You just keep talking that way in the flesh rather than just getting on board and recognizing that perhaps your mentality keeps slipping over into a works mentality rather than into a relationship mentality. See, it's, this, is, this is an incredible relationship that we have with God. Why would anybody want to, want to neglect so great a relationship? See, see, so, so it's a relationship. You get stirred up, you stir yourself up about your relationship with your father. That you want to get with him. You want to spend time with him. You want to get to know him. I don't want to go out into my day without spending time with God. I don't want to go through life without spending time with him. It's not like I feel like I have to as much as I want to. I want to. Now, see, the devil, he'll come in there, he'll throw you a curveball, and he'll try to sneak up on you and try to turn your excitement for the Lord and your love for the Lord into a works thing. He'll try to slip that in there on you by putting that thought into your mind that I have to pray. Whenever that word, I have to, have to, comes to your mind, think about it, and if it could be replaced with want to, Go ahead and replace it. Because that's the difference between love 
and works. Being forced to do something and wanting to do something. And so much of the things of God, the things of spirit, they don't work when it's being done in the flesh, feeling forced to do it. It's got to be, I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to. I want to draw near to God. I want to walk with God. I want to hear from God. I want to spend time with him. And so, you know, I I told people, you know, a while back, and this bears repeating, but just, you know, you think about when you get up in the morning. How many people have a tough time getting up in the morning? You don't have to raise your hands. But uh, you have a tough time getting up in the morning. Well, if you're having a tough time getting up in the morning, think about your thoughts and your words. Are you thinking and saying something like this? I have to get up. I have to get up. In other words, I don't want to. I want to sleep the day away. I just want to lie here. I just want to sleep. I just, but I have to get up. Well, that makes getting up really hard. Because you're over here in a works mode. And it's tough. When you're in works mode, it's tough. Why? Because there's no grace in works it's all, it's all pride, it's all flesh, and there's no grace, there's no ability of God there to help you. So if you want God's ability, if you want God to help you, then at, out of a partnership with him, it's about what you get to do. Man, I get to get up. Praise God, thank God the night is over and the day has come. I can get up and go and live and do this and do that. Come on, we can go forth and bear fruit. Who wants to lie in bed all day? That's a deception. That's a deception. The sluggard, right? He just, he's like a door that turns on its hinges. He just keeps rolling over in his bed. We don't, we, we, that, that's demonic. That's not you and I. So, so to help you get up, I get to get up. Man, I get to get up. When you go to bed at night, right before you go to sleep, just say, man, I'm looking forward to getting up in the morning. I got to calm myself down, and I got to just allow myself to go to sleep. But man, I can't wait to get up in the morning. Turn to somebody and tell them that. I can't wait to get up tomorrow morning. <laughs> Praise God. I'm, ex- I'm excited about getting up tomorrow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Tell yourself that before you go to bed at night. You do that a few times and watch how things change in the morning for you. Well, I know I have to work out. I know I have to, I know I have to get in shape. Man, I keep trying. I sure want that donut. (laughs) But I know I have to diet. I have to diet. You are on a road to fail. Because have to is hard. That's why the Bible says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. We all want the good of the land, don't we? Oh, want to eat the good of the land. Well, some folks, they got the obedience, but even that's hit and miss because they don't have the willingness. What is the willingness? The willingness is the want to. It's the want to. God wants you to want to do his will, not just I have to do his will. I want to do his will. Like the psalmist said, I delight to do your will, O God. And it doesn't matter how challenging it is, what, what a difficult path it might, it might be for you. If it's God's will, that's exciting. Just to know I'm doing what I've been created to do. 
I'm doing what pleases my father. Just knowing that I'm doing what God wants me to do, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it's costing me. It doesn't matter, you know, in the flesh. It doesn't, doesn't matter what kind of sacrifices have to be made. That's exciting to get to do the will of God. And not to be just wandering through life and come up with your own plan. Just coming up with your own will, doing your own thing. You know, what, you know what, can, what can I do? What can I think of? That's boring. Because you don't know how that's going to end. But you know how it's going to end if you're doing his will. It's going to end in victory. Right? It's going to end a success. It's going to end with glorifying the Father. And that's what it's all about. We want to glorify him. We want to honor him in everything that we're doing in life. So there's no more of this just wandering through life with, without any purpose. We're taking hold of the purpose of God, and we delight to do it. We delight to pray. It is a desire of mine. I know I should. No, I get to. I get to. Oh, it's Sunday. Oh, my goodness. I got to go to church. We got to go to church tomorrow. Man, I'd love to sleep in tomorrow. I'd love to sleep in tomorrow. The bed is so much nicer than God's presence. The bed is just so much better than actually hearing from God. Having God speak to me. God visit with me. I'd much rather be in bed. Folks just aren't thinking. (laughs) I think that's half the problem. A lot of folks just aren't thinking. And so, they're just missing out. People don't, people don't recognize. Of course you don't want to stay in bed. Of course you don't. Of course, there's people right now watching live stream. They wish they were here. They're not saying, oh, it's so nice to just be able to watch church in the comfort of my own home. Honey, can you hand me another biscuit? Because after all, the biscuits are so much better than his presence. And being in that atmosphere of the love of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that destroys yokes and removes burdens. I mean, the biscuits are so much better, aren't they? Sleep is so much better. Nothing compares to him. Nothing compares to what you and I have in God. What you and I have in Jesus. What we have is so awesome. But see, folks, they talk themselves out of it all the time. They talk themselves out of the awesomeness of the Almighty. And they exalt all these little superficial nothings in life. And so they're chasing after all the nothings in life, and they're neglecting the greatest thing in life. Him. And the privileges that we have in him. Because they've exalted all these superficial nothing, nothingness. All this nothingness. That's what it adds up to be. He says, you're not abiding in him. You can't do nothing. Now, it looks like folks are doing a lot. A lot of folks that aren't abiding them look like they're doing a whole lot of stuff, but it's, just, it's, it's really nothing. It's meaningless. It's purposeless. If it's apart from his will, it's apart from, apart from him, flowing with him, being connected with him, you're doing it your own strength, you're not flowing in the grace of God, my Lord Jesus, I don't want to do anything outside the grace of God. I want to flow in the grace of God. 
I want to learn just grace of God in every area of my life, in everything that I say, everything that I do. I want it to be with his help, with his strength, not out there trying to do something in my own strength. And that's what you and I are wanting to do. We're wanting to abide, remain. What does the word abide mean? The word abide means to remain. Literally, it means this, to remain in a continual state of expectation. I'm talking about the Bible word, abide. To remain in a continual state of expectation. Always expecting. That sounds exciting. Anybody ever order something, you know, and you're really excited about getting it? You know, you finally did it. You say, I'm going to spend the money. I'm going to get it. You order it out of the catalog, and now you're waiting for it. And so you, so you look in the FedEx truck. You're leaving your house, and the FedEx truck drives by. You go, you turn around, and you see, well, he, he might be taking the package to the house. That's okay. They're gonna, he'll leave it on the porch. You can get it later. No, no, if it's, if, if it's there, I'd like to see it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, a lot of chuckles going on. I think a lot of folks can relate to that one. And, and so you, you just, you're looking for it, and then finally, the box arrives. But you were are, you are expectant. You were expectant the whole time for that, for that thing to show up. Well, that's how we should be with our Father, in a continual state of expectancy. Continual state of excitement, knowing He hears us, and we could talk with Him and connect with Him. See, but it's going to start with our words. We're going to have to stir ourselves up and start speaking right and stop this, I have to, I need to, I should. Let's get out from under the law. Let's step over into the grace of God and start saying, I delight and I want to and I get to and this is exciting and I look forward to it because that really is the honest truth. So you might as well speak the honest truth and then you'll start feeling it. Then things will start flowing for you and you'll have the grace of God there to help you. So yeah, a lot of times it goes back to people's personal prayer life, you know. How's life going for you? Oh, it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's terrible. It's been tough. It's just been horrible. How's your prayer life? Well, I've been pleading and begging a whole lot. Okay. Well, it's not just about pleading and begging. It's about communicating. Communicating with God. Spending time with Him. And wanting to do it. And here's the thing about it. We really have to want to want to pray and spend time with him more than we want the thing that we're praying for. The going to him, the asking and the receiving from him is greater than the actual thing that you received. That's, that's actually even greater. That you were able to make a connection with God through faith and receive from him. That's actually greater than actually the thing that you asked for and got from him. So that we're esteeming our time with him and our communication with him more than we're esteeming the thing that we got. Now, I know that's a tilt for some folks. That's a tilt right there. Heads are starting to go like this, you know. It's like a dog, you know, you blow a whistle, make a strange sound, the thing goes, huh? huh? <laughs> Ears go up, you know, there's a few of those. Like, huh? That's okay. That's why we're at church. He's helping us, getting our minds renewed, changing our thinking, saying, oh, yeah, that makes sense. 
How many people would say what I just said made sense? Yeah. How many people would say that's not a reality for you right now? You don't have to answer that. Might not be a reality for you right now, but it makes sense. All right, praise God. That's the start. Sometimes the things of God just need to make sense first, and then it'll become a reality to you. Then it'll be that, it, that that's, how it, that's how you feel about it. So that's okay. Don't, don't ever get into condemnation because you feel like you're not, that's not where you are. The whole purpose of you being here is to get you where you're not. You understand? I mean, it might be to strengthen you where you are, but it's also to take you where you're not. So church, church should be, coming to church should be able to take you somewhere where you're not right now. So get excited and get expectant to begin to go somewhere you haven't been before. And have a whole change of mentality and a completely culture change. And how you view your life and how you think, how you live your life. And you'll start seeing fruit and success in an abundance the way God ordered it to be. The way he desires it to be. You're bearing much fruit. Everybody say, much fruit. That's God's will for you. That's God's will for you. So over here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore I exhort, or encourage, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and all who are in authority. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. How many people know there's a lot of ungodliness going on in the world? A lot of irreverent things going on in our nation. It's taking place in our nation around us right now. And such ungodliness that it would threaten the church from being able to live a godly life. Because the Bible says, those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Well, depending upon society, will determine how severe that persecution, that suffering can become. And the way things are going on around us right now, persecution for living a godly life, talking God talk, living God's ways, is getting to the point where it becomes more and more difficult or more life-threatening. Can you see that? That's taking place all around us. Well, what's the answer to it? What's the answer to it? Do we just sit back and watch it all happen? Do we just watch as our society, the society around us just begins to crumble and become more and more godless? And where Christianity becomes more and more hated and is persecuted? What do we do? What can we do? Well, the Bible tells us exactly what to do. And it is... Key to success. Key to fixing the whole mess. We can fix the whole mess. Praise From the comforts of our own home. From the comforts of our own church. We can fix the mess. We can do it. Yes, we can. 
Yes, we can. Don't even have to be a politician. Don't have to be involved in politics. You just got to be involved in praying. Praying. I got news for you. Uh, The world today exalts politics. Politics have become like, like everything. You know, the news media, it used to be they tell you the news. You know, they'd tell you whatever, you know, what's going on in this country and what's happening over here and this crisis over here and this situation over here. And, you know, negative, 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 of course. But, you know, they'd tell you a lot of negative news and you'd get, all, you'd get a whole slew of negative things. Now, it's just politics. Everything's just politics. And so now all we're going to do is just talk about politics. We're going to come up with a couple key points, and then we're going to get our panel. And the panels are going to talk about the politics, and they're going to talk about this one particular thing that was said by this one politician, and we're going to talk about the one thing he said one time, but we're going to say it multiple times through multiple peoples, several times a day throughout the week, and they're just going to keep harping and harping and harping on this same thing. And people think they're getting the news. And you're not getting the news. You're not getting the news. What you need to learn to do is turn that off. Turn away from that mess. That's a mess. And that's not the key to getting it fixed. That's not the key to getting it fixed. The key to getting it fixed is what? Prayer. Prayer. Look at what he says again. I exhort first of all. That's a big word. First of all, I've gone to visit people in the hospital. This is no offense to anybody here. It's happened multiple times over my 26 years of pastoring this church. You go into the hospital to visit Charlie or whoever, Margaret. They're lying there. Got a serious situation going on. TV's running. No Bible. So where's your Bible? Huh? I think there's one in the drawer there. I think there's a, a Gideon Bible right in there. Bible says, call for the elders of the church if you're dealing with any kind of sickness. Let them pray the prayer of faith. Let them anoint you with oil. But for many people, that's the last one you call. First one you call is Ghostbusters. The second one you call is... I mean, they call everything. They go to everything. They do everything except that. Of course, Google, he's, he's really becoming number one. Pastor Google. <laughs> Pastor Google. Let's go see what Pastor Google says. Really? Honey, what are we dealing with here? What are we dealing with? I don't know what we're dealing with. Let's go ask Pastor Google. First of all, let's call Pastor Google. And then Google will give you a whole list of things. Whole list of things. You go in there and you got this pimple, you know. You're trying to figure out the pimple. How do we deal with this pimple? It says, well, these pimples kill 10 out of 15 people. Sometimes Pastor Google will bless you. Sometimes he'll curse you. (laughs) Sometimes he'll make life easy for you. Sometimes he'll make life hard for you. You never know what you're going to get with Pastor Google. But God's pastors, God's elders, once he's anointed, you know what you're going to get every time. You're going to get the truth that will set you free. That's what you're going to get. The truth that'll set you free. I love these people. 
Go tell the pastor. Oh, I know what he's going to say. What are you, like the prophet or prophetess? You know what he's going to say. What is he going to say? Well, you're probably right. You probably do know what he's going to say. The person he's probably going to say is, how's your prayer life? I hate when he asks that question. <laughs> Why don't you just fix it? I hate when he asks that question. <laughs> How was your prayer life? It's all he ever says. But that would fix a lot of our problems, wouldn't it? Praise God. So, first of all, everybody say, first of all. Yeah. Prayer. Prayer is number one. Prayer is to be number one. In fact, there's another scripture here. Well, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. That's something to get a hold of. But in everything by prayer and supplication... With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So this sounds a lot like 1 Timothy 2, 1, where it says, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. Here he says in Philippians... Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer. In other words, there's not anything we should be doing prayerlessly. There's nothing we should be doing prayerlessly. Everything we do in life, God should be involved in it. We should be communicating it with Him. Think about that. Everything, first of all, prayer. And of course, why wouldn't we? When you know that when you go to him, it guarantees you the victory. Why are we causing so many extra problems for ourselves? Why are we making life so tough on ourselves? People are making life so much tougher for themselves than they need to be. Instead of going to God after you've messed it all up and then go to him and ask him to clean it up, why don't we go to him first of all and pray, bring him into the situation at the beginning and avoid making the messes so that we don't need him to come and clean it up. So put him in the beginning. This isn't a works thing. This isn't, a law. This isn't the law. This is like common sense. This is like, duh, of course. When you know you've got someone that's going to help you get it right at the first time around. Right? We've learned this. You know, you, sometimes you go to the, the school of hard knocks, right? You got to go the hard way. And you learn, you learn some things that way. But how many times have you misplaced your keys? And you're just looking and looking and looking and looking and looking and looking and looking. Until finally you're desperate. You say, Lord, I'm late. I got to get to my appointment. Where are the keys? Why didn't you ask him that the first time? If you believe he's going to answer you, why did it take so long? Now do you, oh, so now you believe he's going to tell you where the keys are? 
if you believe he's going to tell you, why didn't you just ask him at the first? See, it don't make sense. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Of course, you, it doesn't make sense. That's why you ask. That's why you ask at the beginning. I remember one time I was out in Oklahoma, and I was late for Bible school, and uh, I was running late. And now I'm trying to find my keys. I can't find my keys. I'm looking all over for my keys. So finally, I, I just got to walk. I just got to walk. I got no. I got no other options. So I just leave the house. I finally, desperation, I just start walking. So I lived in an apartment, so I'm walking through the apartment complex. You know, I'm halfway through the apartment complex, and I go, God, God, you know where those keys are. You know exactly where they are. Tell me. Help me to know where they are. And my hands went up like this, and I hit them. They were hanging out of my belt. Because I usually do that. I grab my keys, I hang them on my belt. I went, thank you, Jesus. And I ran back and jumped in the car. (laughs) He's so good that way. We're much quicker at it now. First of all, where are they? He'll help you. Isn't that amazing? I just asked him. He wanted to help me the whole time. You think about that. Think about that. He wanted to help. That's not a coincidence that I said, Lord, where's the keys? You know where they are. And my hand went like that. And within an instant of asking that, I found them. He could have done that all the way back there before I went through all that. The things that people go through so unnecessarily because they put him off and keep trying to live life in their own strength. Live life in their own building, uh, ability, leaning on their own understanding. Leaning, leaning, leaning on their understanding, which is very limited. We've got a little understanding, but don't get puffed up over the thing and start leaning on it and think you can figure everything out. We need him. We need to include him in the conversation of what's going on. Back to First Timothy. Chapter 2. So we were talking about our nation. How many people would like to see some things get turned around, cleaned up around here? Huh? You know, I got news for you. The answer isn't a politician. You know, you got to watch about putting all your hope in a human. Doesn't matter what a great job they're doing. Don't let that become your hope. It's God. If somebody's doing something good and it's working and it's successful, it's God at work in that human being. It's God's grace. Let's keep looking to him. Let's keep looking to his grace to make the way, to clean up our nation, straighten things out. Let's come to him in prayer. Now, of course... To pray, you've got to pray in line with the Bible. So we're not just praying our opinions. We're not just going to throw our opinions and feelings out there. We're going to come back and we're going to make sure that what we're praying is in line with the Word. Because what does he say in 1 John 5? Let's go there real quick. People get so excited about their politics. It's amazing what a frenzy people can get themselves worked up in when it comes to these Things, political matters. I stand for this. I stand for this. I stand on this. And you know what? 
when you're this and you're that has come and gone, this will still be here and I'll be with it. Did you get that? They get so fired up and so zealous for this. I believe in this and I'm standing for this and I'm getting fired up about this. And it, it comes and it goes. And, and that's how they live their life. They're like a wave of the sea. They, they, they come in like the tide and then they go out. And they come and they go. But this will always be here. The Bible. God's word. That'll always be here. So if you're going to get zealous about something, get zealous about the Bible. Get stirred up about the Bible. Man, people need to get saved. People need to come to the knowledge of the truth. People need to hear the word of God. People need to get a prayer life going here. People need to get communicating with God. None of this makes any sense at all. We need to get back to prayer. We need to get back to the Bible. We need to get back to lifting up Jesus. That's what the church should be saying. We shouldn't be getting caught up in all this, this superficial human wisdom. Superficial human wisdom. Now, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. Talk about abiding. A branch in the vine, in him, see? Abiding in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, how do we know his will? We got the word of God. God's word reveals God's general will for our life. And of course, any specific will of God is going to line up to this general will of God. Everything's going to line up to this word. So we got to make sure that our praying is in line with the Word of God. It's not just in, in line with our emotions and our feelings and what offends us and what bothers us and our finicky flesh and all that. And we're just going to pray our feelings and how we think about stuff. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about these things that you're so stirred up about? And there's a lot of people getting stirred up in the world. Let's come back. What does the Bible say about it? What does the Bible say about it? Let's seek. Let's find out. God's word will bring answers to these things. You know, before you just go out there and just run out there all fired up for something, for a cause, make sure it lines up with the word of God. You might want to go seek some advice from Christians, from people that know the Bible. And and if they give you advice, they say, so where's that in the Bible? Huh? Where's that in the Bible? Let them show it to you in the Bible. Let's see the verses for it. Let's not just settle for something that sounds good. That sounds good. No. Is it God? Is it the Bible? Hallelujah. I think we're getting help this morning. What do you think? God pulling some things on track. Because you know, how do you know there's a world that's pulling? It's always pulling our thinking and it's always trying to get us to conform to it. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get your mind renewed to God's word, and you'll live a transformed life, and you'll start having good success. Good success. Success where no sorrow is added to it. 
That's God's kind of success for you and I. So he says, if you ask anything according to his will, his word, we could say, he hears you. He hears us. Hallelujah. Well, that's thrilling right there. I was just thinking about that recently. I think about it every once in a while, you know. Just that God has the humility to listen to us. Bible says he humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens. How many people know there's things out there, there's planets out there that are many, 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 many times bigger than the planet Earth. Planet Earth is like a little small pea compared to some of these planets they say are out there. And, and we're impressed by what's in the heavens, but the Bible says God has to humble himself to look at these things. That's how massive God is, how much greater he is. He has to humble himself to behold these gigantic, massive planets that he created. Then you got all this, all this massiveness in, 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 in the heavens he has to humble himself to look at that. How much more in the heavens is this little tiny thing called earth? And then somewhere down there in that little tiny earth is you. Going. <laughs> and God's just like, ah, it's my daughter. That's my son. Right? That's amazing. Like, I have his attention? You've got to be kidding me. This is awesome. This is, and, let's, let's go even further. So then you have this little earth with this little person down here. Who half the time ain't even doing it right. Half the time is kicking against God. Just resisting God, just resisting God, resisting God, resisting God, resisting God, resisting God. Now at this point, I struggle with the humility to behold a human like that. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just being honest with you. It's the grace of God. I never lose patience. I got the grace of God. But I'm just saying, if I was left to myself, I could do nothing for somebody like that. Just letting you know. You can't either. You know it's true. You need the grace of God just like I do. So kick it against him. Kick it against him. Kick it against him. You'd think by now he would just go. You know what I'm saying? Just flick you. Just go. Go away. I'm going to make something new here. He does. He keeps working. He just keeps pursuing. He keeps chasing. He keeps working on you. Keeps working on you. Keeps working on you. He cleans you up. Hey, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I clean you right up. He's right there. He helps you. He keeps drawing you back. Keeps trying to fix you. He's right, and he's perfecting you. He's perfecting you. And then he makes you sit together with him in the heavenly places. He's not ashamed to call you brethren. He says, "This is my son, in whom I'm well pleased," and he's in love with us. How is that even possible? But that's God. I said, that's God. Somebody say, God is awesome. God is an awesome, awesome God. He hears you. He hears us. Let's never take these things for granted. This is awesome. That's why we approach him with thanksgiving. 
We enter his courts with praise. We love him. We worship him. We tell him, wow, God, that you hear me, that here I am. I come to meet with you, and you're already here. You're here ahead of me. In fact, I wouldn't even be here unless you drew me here, graced me to be here to seek your face. Wow, God, thank you for being God. Thank you for loving me, drawing me, working with me, have mercy on me, talking to me. You're so good to me. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for all your promises towards me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Before you even ask for anything, thank you, Father. This is prayer. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. With thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Because there's so much to be in awe about. There's so much to worship him over. There's so much to praise him about, right? There's so much to thank him for. Before you even ask him for nothing, you hear me. Wow, God, thank you. So awesome. You're so patient. You're so good. See, that's relationship with God. That's exciting. That's an exciting prayer life when you go in there understanding, thinking, not just focused on your little problem like, oh, God, you got to fix this. Oh, God, you got to fix this. You know my whole life, my whole life, my whole life is hanging on this right here. It's not hanging on you. It's hanging on this. You have to fix this because this is my life. God, fix this, my life. God, fix this. This is my life. It's dramatic, but it's helping, I think. I think it's, I think it's helping people. That's, that's all I care about, you know. You help somebody. <laughs> do you see it? Yeah, that's what people do. That's, that's their prayer time. Oh, God, I'll do anything if you'll just fix this. It's not about that. It's like, wow, God. I believe you hear me. I believe you see me. I believe you're with me. Wow, God. Thank you. You have given your angels charge over me. Thank you, God. Claim his promises. Talk of his wonders. Talk of how great he is. How faithful he is. Right? Because that's what's so much bigger and more amazing than whatever that is. I don't care what it is. It could be your life in this world. That still isn't the biggest thing. It's eternity. It's eternal life. That's the biggest thing. And he is eternal life. And that's what, I mean, there's nothing greater than that. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. So we don't want to just be like these little carnal canaries, you know, and we're just clinging to stuff, asking God to fix it. I understand we start there, but that's not where we're going to stay. We're going to get our minds renewed, and we're going to realize, no, God is awesome. God is great. God is big. God is wonderful. We exalt him. We live for him. We're in awe of him. We get to approach him. And he hears us. He hears us. Just knowing that he hears us should cause us to want to go to him. She wants to go to him. Verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And then he goes into this. He goes into something that has to do with your brother and not you. When we talk about asking for something and receiving, he goes right into this. He didn't say, so I asked for more money. No, he didn't say that. He says, verse 16, if anyone sees his brother, a fellow Christian, sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he, God, will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. So there's, if you see a brother or a sister, they ain't living right. 
and they're, and they're too carnal and too fleshy to pray themselves and to, and, to, and to talk, to repent. God is so good and he's so merciful that if you see it and you ask him, God will give that person life. God will give them forgiveness. He will give them life so that Satan and death can't destroy him. Isn't that powerful? That's the kind of power you have. You can come and say, oh, Father, now, Father, my fellow brothers and sisters, my fellow Christians, some of them are struggling. Some of them are going through some stuff. They need your hand on their life. You stop praying for them. Why, why wouldn't we do it? If God's, gonna, God's willing to step in, intervene, and fix the problem, let's call on God to fix the problem rather than just sit there and keep kicking the problem. Talk about the stupid brother and sister. You know, it just keeps messing up. I can't believe they did that. Can you believe they did that? Margaret, can you believe they did that? I can't believe the way they're living. Can't believe the way they're living. They call themselves a Christian. They call themselves a bunch of hypocrites. Just hypocrites. I hate hypocrites. I don't even think I can go to church anymore. There's so many hypocrites. Okay, hypocrite. Because that's another principle in the Word of God, Romans 2. You who judge are guilty of the same thing. So... Why would we just sit there and kick a brother when he's down when we can actually turn the whole thing around by turning to God in prayer, knowing that God will get involved and bring life to them and help draw them to repentance. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. There's so many great things to talk about when we talk about prayer. Mm. Somebody say, I love prayer. I love seeking God, hearing from my Father. Oh, glory to God. Now, you might not feel that way right now. That, this might be like another tilt. You know, some people might just be tilting like crazy. Don't fall out of the chair. It's going to be okay. Just stay in there. Stay in there. Put the seatbelt on. Don't allow yourself to fall out of the chair. He's going to help you. He'll bring it all into balance for you. And he's going to help you to get the proper perspective on prayer. The proper perspective on life. And it's what we heard today. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's stand on our feet. Let's thank the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.